something that my dad used to tell me. Whenever you go through something that's painful or hard or traumatic, it always changes your relationship with God. Either you come out on the other side closer to Him or further from Him, but you won't come out the same. You're listening to If That Makes Sense. It's a Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life's really like as a young adult following Jesus. My name's Tim. I work in Family Life's radio production department. I'm Mike, and I work in the events and performing arts departments. And I'm Trinity. I work for the events department, and I'm married to Tim. Today we're definitely looking inward, Lise, in, in inside of ourselves, in our own head experience, talking about doubt. Having doubt as a believer is an odd place to be in, but it is a place that exists. And so that's why we want to talk about it to maybe bring some clarity to a kind of scary topic sometimes. We've all had doubt in our belief, right? Like that's fair to say, isn't it? Each of Mm -hmm. us in this room can say Mm -hmm. we've had doubt in our belief. Mm -hmm. So, okay, there you go. If you're listening and you're somebody (laughs) who's, who's had doubts or has doubts about even some pretty big things in the faith, you can start off by knowing, okay, you're in good company. You're you're not a terrible believer. You're not a failed Christian if you struggle with doubt. What are some of the things, if I could open it widely here, some of the things that we can doubt as Christians? One of the really obvious ones that comes to mind immediately for me is salvation. Oh. Because I have mm. eternal security has been a, a real issue for me. And you know, I grew up believing that your salvation is forever, but for whatever reason, it still is, I don't know, just still really struggle with that from time to time. Not, you know, you you definitely go through seasons with that, but I think that's one that comes to mind when you think about doubt and faith and some of the specific instances where you experience doubt as a believer. I think a lot of us sometimes question our salvation. Like, God, is this, am I in your hand for good, you know? And we actually just sang that song the other day. I think it's, is it called Cornerstone? We're talking about In Christ Alone, yeah. In Christ yeah. Alone, that's Not, what it's called. Uh, right, yeah. There is one <laughs> There is one called Cornerstone <laughs> that I think kind of like uh, rides the coattails of In Christ yeah. Alone. Yeah. But so that's, they, they got you there. Yeah. But right. But, so. but, but what it says is no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand, which I just love because whenever I tend to be struggling with something like that, I feel like that song just makes its way to me. And I'm like, oh, that's such a beautiful reminder that no matter what happens, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. And that's based on scripture. That's what the word tells us. That's beautiful. I, I think another common uh, common doubt might be God's existence or at the very least his goodness, especially looking at the past year. I think it it could be really easy to look around and start asking those questions that have been around forever. How could a good God let these bad things happen or let this pain and suffering happen. Um, But I think things like um, COVID-19 sort of bring that to the forefront and force you to come to terms with those questions. And I I could, I think that doubts can, can come from there. Is God really good or does he even exist? Because if he existed, certainly he wouldn't let this happen. Hmm. I think the, 
how could a loving God fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. The, that doubt, if you could just put put it in those terms to call that struggle itself the a, a doubt, is like one of the most enduring and constant doubts of faith that will always be with us as as humanity. I think it's been there pretty much since the beginning. And I think it's, 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 I mean, how many questions, how many times have we heard that question phrase? Mm-hmm. How many times have we maybe thought it ourselves? Well, and even from non-believers too, I feel like that's the one thing that often keeps people from coming to know Christ is because, well, w- why would I believe in this God if, if he lets all these things happen? Why would I put my faith in him when, you know, he let this bad thing happen to my family or to these people? And I think there's even doubt. There's doubt in everybody's hearts even before they come to know the Lord. And, of course, at, when you do accept Christ as your Savior, you know, that's something you're still going to wrestle with. It doesn't it doesn't get better. It doesn't always get easier. But, you know, that's where faith comes into play and where you can just give that to the Lord and try to find your peace from Him and, and know that I don't have all the answers. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Love that you just said that's where faith comes into play mm-hmm. because faith and doubt, they're not mutually exclusive, faith and doubt. They're not mm-hmm. things that cannot exist alongside the other. And we're going to we're gonna touch on that more mm-hmm. in a little bit, faith and doubt, that they can exist at the same time. For myself, where my places of doubt have been throughout my faith have been a lot of times in kind of the doctrinal areas. They've been about like these, I don't know, maybe I could say headier type things that are are more like the items of the faith, kind of the things you find in the Apostles' Creed. They're maybe not exactly always those, is God really good kind of doubts or questions. Certainly, Trinity, I can relate to your salvation doubt uh, experience. That that was a big thing for me for a, a long time part of my faith mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. and but yeah so the the doctrinal type things i for a long time struggled uh, i can go back to some some years in, in high school where the idea of the trinity as a as a doctrine was really mm-hmm. strange to me and i i didn't understand that and i felt bad for doubting that because i knew that orthodox christianity affirmed this teaching so was I a bad Christian for doubting that? And we'll talk about that question in a second. Mm-hmm. Are you a bad Christian for having these doubts? Uh, also later on, the the idea of the divinity of Jesus was mm-hmm. difficult for me, believing the idea that Jesus is God. That's what Orthodox true Christianity affirms and asserts from the very beginning is Jesus is God. But that was a difficult thing for me, was reading the Bible. And I was in my Bible a lot. I was an active Christian, but I had doubts about some of these things that are, doctrinally speaking, foundational to the faith. And struggling with those, having doubts with those, can be a really scary thing. Does having doubt make you a bad Christian? The answer is no. It absolutely does not make you a bad Christian. Like, how many people do we read about in the Bible who's... Peter! Yeah. Of course, Peter in the boat walking to Jesus, you know. Jesus asks him, why did you doubt me? But one of my favorite things um, about doubt in the Bible is the story of the man. um, I think his son was possessed, 
And that's where he's got, Jesus is like, you need to believe in me. You need to trust me. And the man just bluntly says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so many times I pray that th- that exact thing because it's like, Lord, I believe in you and I believe you are good and your promises are true. I believe these things, but I I'm really wrestling with this at the same time. So I need you to help my unbelief. I'm recognizing that there is unbelief in my life, and I give that to you. And I just, I love how there's so many stories throughout the gospel where you see characters just like you and me who are wrestling with these things. And Jesus is right there. Like he's... Like how can you have how can you be experiencing those things when you literally have Jesus walking right next to you? I was like, what? <laughs> like, well, if I had Jesus, I wouldn't be. Nice. <laughs> but anyways, um, and so those are just two insta- instances that come to mind. And going back to your original question, Tim, sorry if that was a rabbit trail there. Um, are you a bad Christian if you experience doubt? No, absolutely not. And if anything, I think it's. We're going to go through these seasons of doubt, and it's ultimately going to help you grow in your walk with the Lord and grow in your faith. I mean, I, I wonder how many people go through their their Christian walk and don't experience those things. Like, what kind of growth are you experiencing if you don't have those doubts from time to time? Because that's what really forces you to wrestle with these really hard questions, you know, well, what about my salvation? What about the character of God, the goodness of God? You know, what about all these doctrinal issues that so many people have different opinions on? And when you have that doubt, it really forces you to look at those things in the face and, you know, wrestle with it, pray about it, figure it out. Not that I would encourage anyone to doubt things that they have faith Mm -hmm. in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not that I would recommend doubt as a path to growth for anyone, but it often is something uh, God uses and mm-hmm. uh, not not in and of itself, but kind of in a, in a um, what the enemy meant for evil, he intends for good sort of situation where God can grow you through the searching you have to do. When you doubt something that's dear to your heart, you've got to really search, really dig to find where that bedrock truth is. And in my own experience, Trinity, even, you know, talking about those like doctrinal sort of issues, for me, digging into that when I was experiencing that doubt didn't lead me to throw those things away. It it, it forced me to know why I believe mm-hmm. them, right? So when you're talking about the, the doubt that can go along with like doctrinal issues and, and such like that, you, you don't uh, experience that doubt and then just be wishy-washy and say, I don't know what I believe. That can lead you to a place where you've got to dig and find out why you believe mm-hmm. what you believe. And what the reason is for it, why the church teaches these things. Yeah. I was thinking, and and you both reminded me of this as you were as you were uh, talking through some of this. Um, something that my dad used to tell me, he would say that whenever you go through something that's painful or hard or suffering or traumatic, it always changes your relationship with God. Either you come out on the other side closer to him or further from him, but you won't come out the same. And I was thinking, um, I wonder if doubt kind of works like that. I wonder if doubt is like a moving agent. And depending on how you react to that doubt, you can either move closer to God or further from him. You know, how, how do you respond when you, when you question something like the goodness of God or the Trinity or the divinity of Christ? 
do you dig in and figure out what the Bible actually says and and what the truth of it is? Or do you just say, well, I doubt that this is actually true, so I'm just going to walk away from it now? Mm-hmm. Because the, the reason I was thinking through this is in some some different articles and blogs I was reading in regards to doubting, a lot of them put doubt into a very negative light. They didn't they didn't say it doesn't exist and they said the same thing you were saying Trinity about how many people in the Bible were questioning things and stuff, but it was it was not a positive light that this doubt was shed as. And I was thinking, well why is that? I think it's sort of this difference in idea of is it, is the doubt working to push you closer to God and are you a growing Christian who actually wants to know the answers and wants to dig in and figure out why these things are or are you doubting these things and rather than digging in you're pulling away and losing interest and I think that's more what the articles were talking about is mm-hmm. doubt leading you away from God and away from the church mm-hmm. so I just found that interesting mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and that kind of goes back to something I briefly said a second ago which is that it's not something I'd like recommend to somebody right you know yeah. and say hey have you tried doubt though maybe that'll boost your faith you know mm-hmm. like hopefully not <laughs> did I sound like I was recommending doubt no, to you guys? no no not at all <laughs> No. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> no, if anything, if anything, you know, the spin you're putting on it is just, I think, giving encouragement and hope for somebody who is struggling with that, that mm-hmm. this is not a symptom of your faith in its death throes, you know, mm-hmm. that because you're experiencing doubt. Experiencing doubt doesn't mean you're going through a season of deconstruction and <laughs> you're going to, uh, you know, come out the other side as uh, somebody who's lost their faith and is going to go around speaking about how they're an atheist now and how the church is a big sham. No, doubt (laughs) is not a symptom of that happening to you. You're not going to become the next Richard Dawkins because you're experiencing (laughs) doubt. You know, it's not a sign that your your faith is about to supernova into atheism. No, it can just be... um, well, it can happen for so many different kinds of reasons, right? Doubt can happen because you're in a new you're in a new environment and you're seeing people who believe differently than you'd seen before. You know, maybe you're off at college and you're maybe you were homeschooled beforehand. You're in college now and you're in a community college. People teach different things. People believe different things. People mm-hmm. say different things. Mm-hmm. That can cause doubt. Yeah. Maybe you're going to a Christian college and you came from a public school but you're a Christian and you're finding that Christians don't all believe the same thing. Mm. But since you've only been in one church, you you didn't really know that. (laughs) You know, that happens. Or what have you. It can be any number of different circumstances. That was totally me in Mm. Theology 2 class as a freshman in college. (laughs) And being like, wait, you mean there's like 10 different views about the end times? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, but there's probably way more than 10, actually. But, you know, I was like... Wait a second. I thought there was just one way. That just goes to show how I, yeah. <laughs> You're sure. Right, right, right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's just, just one one part. I mean, oh, yeah. all those different views really threw me for a loop when I got to theology class. And I'm like, wow, I feel so unprepared and so ignorant. Yeah, sure. No, it can come from so many different kinds of places. That's really interesting, even your own personal experience on that. 
uh, talking about the Bible, people from the Bible who doubted. I've got written down. In fact, uh, Job. I put Job down. Mm. Um, I said earlier that the the question of if God's good or not has been around with us since the beginning. There's thought that Job is one of the earliest written books of the Bible. That means that this this story of loss and doubt and frustration and disillusion, all of that came really early in the history of the people of God. And Job, interestingly enough, when he doubts, he doesn't get concrete answers necessarily mm-hmm. that resolve every question he had. But he gets something better. Mm-hmm. He gets God's presence in the middle of his pain. That is something he cannot deny is God's presence and God's ultimate goodness, even though he doesn't get an answer to his questions. <laughs> Love that. Another thing, another one of my favorites that is, I think, a lot towards this topic of doubt is the book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher, the narrator kind of for the book of Ecclesiastes, he's he's mainly struggling in the book. He's struggling with a lot of things. There's a lot <laughs> of struggle in that book. One of the big ones is that he says in uh, chapter 9, verse 2, that it it doesn't matter how you live. The same things happen to evil people and righteous people. He says sometimes it happens to the righteous according to the wicked. And sometimes what happens to the wicked is what should have happened to the righteous. It doesn't matter how you live because the same thing happens to everybody. And he's speaking out of frustration and I think a place kind of, of struggle there mm-hmm. when he's saying it that way. But it's giving voice to a real human experience, which is, Hold on, God. I thought your word said, you know, we, we follow you and you bless us. You've, we follow you. And this author of Ecclesiastes is saying, how, how do I make sense of this crazy, meaningless or futile or vain world that we live in? And he, too, doesn't get an explicit answer where where the, the end of the book says, oh, wait, I was looking at it wrong. It's really like this. No, he doesn't get that. But what he does come to is taken back to the basics. Honor God, obey him, and enjoy his gifts. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what you can do. Um, Gideon, of course, doubts God. God gives Gideon in the book of Judges a very explicit answer to prayer. Gideon, you know, gives God this tall order for how to know what he should do. Kind of we've all prayed these prayers before. Like, God, right, if I, I should do say. this. I I wish that would happen to me. <laughs> but like you could get half of what Gideon got and you'd be satisfied. But Gideon's like, God, if if I'm supposed to do this, do this really specific thing, God. God does the really specific thing. Gideon's like, okay, one more time. Just in case that wasn't real. <laughs> do this other really I need to refresh thing. myself on the story of Gideon. I think he's uh I think he's wondering about going to battle. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't remember the order in which he does this, but he's got a, a fleece, like a sheepskin, mm-hmm. and he lays it out. And I, the order here, I'm think, I think he says, okay, God, if I'm supposed to go to battle, um, let the sheepsp- sheepskin be covered in dew in the morning and the grass be dry. And then the other day, the next day, he flips it on God and he's like, okay, now do the other way around. Make oh, the wow. one dry and the other wet. Just to make sure it was Very really you. Very specific request. Very. And God yeah. does it for some reason, too. Right. I've tried. <laughs> so I've tried, and it doesn't work. <laughs> I just said God does it for some reason. But maybe we can take that uh, take that as a, as a statement almost. Like, God understands that we don't have it all together. He gets that we doubt and that we struggle. Like, he gives Gideon a pass on that. That's really kind of really sweet of him to do for one of his children, isn't it? That 
even when he answered this outlandish prayer request, just to mm-hmm. give this this guy confidence, he he goes above and beyond for him to to accommodate his his weak his weak humanity. I think that mm-hmm. that's kind of encouraging to me. So yeah, there's people that doubt in the Bible. We're in pretty decent <laughs> company. We're all yeah. right. I'd say so. I have two quotes Whoa, I want to share. Two quotes. I'm just going to pull out all the old ones. And they're in your head. Here. That's amazing. Pulling them out right now. There's this artist I like. His name is Levi the Poet, which Tim knows about. I don't know if you've heard of him, Mike. Um, but he released an album. He, he does like, I guess you would call it slam poetry. Yeah. Or, I don't really yeah, know how. Spoken how, word Spoken sometimes. word. Yeah, spoken word. But that's another way to refer um, to it. And he does it like over music. It's just really beautiful. Um but he released an album a few years ago called Cataracts, and one of the the titles of his poems is called The Dark Night of the Soul, I believe. Mm-hmm. And one of the phrases in there has always struck me, and I love it, and it's called, or what he says is, it's not that I don't believe, it's just that sometimes faith feels more like cataracts than clarity. And I just think that's so true for mm-hmm. all of us. Like, that's kind of what it feels like being a Christian <laughs> because you're not going to have all of your answers and there's going to be seasons of where you're just walking and you just feel like you're in fog and, and that's all you see. I love how honest that is too because I think a lot of times we don't want to be honest about the things that we feel, those really scary doubts that we have, but that's exactly what it feels like. Another thing that he shares, I don't even know what song it's from, but he says, I'd rather have you than all of my answers. Mm, and he's talking, yes. he's talking to Jesus there. To me, like that's just refreshing. Can I say that confidently? Like, Lord, I would rather have you than all of my answers. I, I feel like for so many years I've gone through my life where I'm like, I need to know this. I need to know this. I, I just want to plan things. I want to know things. I, I'm a perfectionist and I can sometimes be a control freak. And that's not a good thing. And, and I think that even affects my faith and my relationship with God. So can I confidently say like, Lord, I'd rather have you than my answers. I think every day that is going to be a challenge. But I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what Job got. Job didn't get answers. He got presence in the midst of his questions. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of Joseph as you were sharing your Levi the Poet quotes. Joseph is my favorite Bible character, and I've been studying him recently. And it just made me think of all the unfair things that happened to him. Got thrown into prison for something he didn't do. He was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, all of this stuff. And it's not till the very end of his life that he realizes that this was God preparing him to be second in command over all of Egypt and to save his family. And he says his famous things, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Mm -hmm. He doesn't find that out till the very end. And I have to think, at any point in time, was he doubting along the way? I bet he was at least questioning I really admire Joseph. I would like to be like him without all the hard stuff. <laughs> but looking looking back over his life, it's got to be the times that he was in prison and at his lowest that God was growing him and preparing him for what he had planned for him. Mm-hmm. And maybe doubts were part of that. Maybe God had to take him 
to that place where he said, are you even real? Are you even, do you even hear me right now? And once he's down there, that's when God could raise him back up mm. to being second over Egypt. Well, God's not, that's interesting. Did God have to like bring him to that place where God, he could say, are you even here right now? Because God isn't afraid of our doubts. He can handle them. Yeah. He's yeah. Bigger. He's he's big enough. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, we were talking about C.S. Lewis or someone like that. And I was saying, I love reading all of these books about God and Packer and, and all these things. And, and this friend was saying, I don't. I just stick with the Bible and the nursery rhymes because I'm afraid that I'll read something by them. And basically, I think what they were saying is, I'm not sure God can stand up to, like, I don't think he can handle my questioning. So I'm just going to avoid that. No, I think that God's big enough that he can, Mm -hmm. he can handle your doubts and your questions and your fears and your desires and all these things. Right. It's, Mm This is really sad to me mm-hmm. that a view of God could be such that he couldn't handle our doubts. I think it, you almost feel ashamed when you're praying. Like, you almost feel like, even though the Lord knows, he knows our hearts, he knows our struggles, we don't have to pray that directly to him because he already knows. But <laughs> yeah, there is like this sense of shame, like, oh, if I'm having doubt, oh, I don't want the Lord to, to see that about me. It's so stupid that I think that, <laughs> but... You know, so I was just thinking in response to what you were saying, like how much shame is a part of our our doubt when we're having those. Well, it doesn't need to be because all these people, we're going back to scripture again. Here yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. All these people held up in scripture that God inspired this word to, to carry their stories down to us are people who it's inscripturated the doubts they had and the things they yelled at God. Look at the Psalms. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Elijah, when he was like, on the run from uh, Jezebel, the wicked queen who wanted to kill him and all the other prophets of God. And he was like, God, I'm done. I know I'm done with it. This is stupid. Just kill me. I'm the last one left. And there's no hope. And that story is in the Bible for us to read. Elijah is one of like the most legendary, like Avengers level prophets <laughs> that the the Old Testament has. Like he was, he was the man. <laughs> He was the superhero prophet, and he's got this episode where he just tells God, "No, no, no, I'm 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 done. Like, kill me. I'm done." He actually does, mm-hmm. you know, ask for death. That's in the Bible. He's one of the heroes of the faith. Mm-hmm. So God mm-hmm. is not afraid of your doubts. Mm-hmm. He's not offended by them. Some of the most faith-affirming quotes, some of the most faith-affirming moments come out of the darkest seasons of doubt. Mm -hmm. It's the people who have been there and questioned some of the things that they hold dearest that are able to speak with the most clarity and the most beauty about the truth of those same things Mm -hmm. that that they struggled with, Mm -hmm. those same things that they questioned and cried to God about and yelled to God about. God uses the pits of our experience to bring us to the heights. And what is our faith other than we're about a cross? The absolute depth of the experience of suffering was held by our Savior. And because of it, we receive the absolute height of relationship with God. God does work through the 
darkest nights mm -hmm. to bring the joy that comes in the morning. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.